But right now, I'm delighted to have a, on the line a good friend of mine. His name is Daryl Rogers. Uh, he's been travelling across the continent. Uh, he's a film producer, and he's uh, put together some award-winning interpretive centres that have helped change the way tourists see a region. And he's on the line right now. Are you there, Daryl? Sure am, Mel. <laughs> Where are you right now? I'm in Port Lincoln. Port Lincoln? Mm. Oh, my goodness. Where are you off to? Uh... Tomorrow I'm packing up and heading up to uh, uh, Port Augusta, um, heading up through Wyala and uh, stopping in at a few places along the way. Mm-hmm. So uh, tonight we're talking about change. Yep. Some things change and some things don't change. Yep. And uh, how much have you seen of the country so far? Oh, I'll be clocking over about 8,000 kilometres on the trip tomorrow, mm. so... Um, it, it's been a, a pretty long drive. Set off from Brisbane about uh, three weeks ago and uh, drove across the centre um, from up through, out to Birdsville, up to Bullier and then straight across uh, the uh, Donoghue Plenty Highway and down through the Great Central um, Highway to Laverton and then down to Albany and back across the Nullarbor. Amazing. Now, I don't know if you know this, we have a lot of listeners right now there at Albany. Okay, yeah, <laughs> great place. Well, I love it. Yeah. A bit windy sometimes. Uh, it was okay when I was there. I was, it's the first time I've been to Albany, and I was really, really impressed. I, I really liked the place. Well, that strip of the country, one of my favourite places, Esperance. Yep. Uh, right through Denmark, yep. Albany, uh, coming up the other side, and and many of us never get to see it. What that, What's your overall impression as you've taken the, what a journey you've been, and as you've taken this journey, what, what have been some of the feelings that have risen? Ah, uh, really? Um, it's it's been quite a, an experience. I I've been trying to sort of sort it out in my mind as I've been driving what it is about the need to travel around this country and. Um, I guess in a way, as I've driven, I've just become so aware of this incredible beauty that this country have and diversity in in, a, in subtle, in in big ways and in small ways. Mm-hmm. And um, I think uh, really, it's it's quite a phenomenal place that we've that we're we're living in. And um, interestingly, I think the centre is is as. as um, you know, I've always had this sense, I guess, that the centre is a little bit sort of boring, that there's not a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I, I've uh, been, I think I've been duped and that yeah. this trip has really, you know, opened my eyes to some incredible, incredible uh, landscape and um, oh, for, flora and fauna. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the wildflowers are all out all over the joint and they're just, just stunning. Mm-hmm. So just the, the whole place, just a great, great experience and um, I think I think what I've been really trying to work it out work out in my mind is, is as I've driven there's something about as you drive over the land for for me that there's some sort of sense of yeah. uh, I don't know what it is identity or, mm. or, or sense of meaning um, about what it means to be um, an Australian just by mm. driving over it. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't understand. I'm not sure how to unpack <laughs> that, but that's, that's sort of my sense. Yeah, well, I've often spoken to Ken Duncan, uh, the photographer. Yep. And uh, he's taken these journeys, and he calls it a spiritual experience. I think there's a part inside of us that's bigger than time and space. And when you get out there, it is so big and broad, isn't it? 
Yeah. Something inside rises, and I can hear you struggling. Yeah. This is a fairly common experience. You try to find words, and they don't work. No. Because the rea- reality is bigger than any words that you can use uh, to construct a concept. It's bigger than any concept. Yeah. I, I'm, I've, I've been reading a book actually written some time ago by a guy called Stephen Knightley called Selling, Selling of the Australian Mind, and he talks a little bit about the need for Australians to travel. He's a, a POM that came over here yeah. and sort of analysed analyzed us back in the 80s and stuff like that, and um, he talks about the need to, to drive oh. as, a, as a means of freedom for us, that yeah. there's a sense of freedom about the driving around the place and stuff. Yeah. So. Well, I think he's on to something. Uh, as you know, you, you've been with us, uh, we, we now take hundreds of kids each year on what we call a pilgrimage to yep. Uluru, uh, from every capital city, and then to see them when they all come together and see each other. Uh, some in Western Australia have never left Western Australia, and just to turn up and mix with other kids of the same age, uh, and to mix with Indigenous people, and there's an incredible coming together. But then we take them to the rock, yep. and uh, there is no photograph that ever does it justice. <laughs> that's that's absolutely true. Yeah. I, I mean, I, my my experience of coming down the Stewart Highway there, and and after being coming from Bulia, which is a essentially a uh, what. I think it's 800 kilometres of dirt, basically, and um, and coming down to Alice, which was a great, but then coming down into Uluru and, and Katajuda and um, just coming around the bend and then seeing that rock, it's just like, it, it was like there was something inside of me just gasped. Went, <laughs> oh, this is, and, and it's just a phenomenal experience yeah. just to see that rock out in the middle of the desert. There's something about it that you just yeah. can't, you can't relay, you know, to people. And a photograph, as you say, doesn't do it at all because I took so many photographs and it still doesn't work, yeah. you know, from the right places, of course. Well, you know what we did? We, ha- we have the kids sit down in front of that rock and write down their feelings. And kids who've been in trouble at school and all the rest of it start writing poems. Yeah. Because there's a part of them that wants to take hold of it somehow. And I think uh, Knightley is right. There is something about you have to drive around this country. You know it's yours. You can't run away from it. You've got to face it. You've got to go into its heart mm-hmm. and let it do what it's got to do to you. And, and you find yourself becoming a bit indigenous somehow. You become a bit of a... You're on walkabout. <laughs> and, and you're not happy until something, happen, something gets satisfied. All right, I've known it now. Yeah. I haven't caught it. You can't love it sentimentally. It's too big, too profound, too majestic, but it does something to you as something inside your spirit apprehends yep. it or takes hold of it. Yeah. And yeah. you carry, and, and I find those images refreshing. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to keep raving. I've just come back no, from no. Europe, from, from Greece. Yes, yes. Uh, from Jordan. Yeah. Uh, from UK. And I've been to Wales and Ireland. All quaint and delightful, but I've got to tell you, uh, my Australianness comes f- to the fore, and give me a fortnight in these places, and I start feeling claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're lovely, quaint villages, and they're like the uh, photographs you see of England. They yep. are like they don't let you down. Yep. Uh, the, the thatch works there, and all, but there is something about that horizon, those sunsets, that blue sky, that red soil. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I'm waxing eloquent, aren't I? Now tell us about. You've been doing some work to try and help some of these country towns find their story and yeah. put an interpretation centre together. Yeah, we've done a few over the last, um, oh gee, I don't know, 10 years or so, but um, oh, 
the most recent one, and, and one of the, the most, um, the, the reason, I guess, for this trip was um, primarily to go to Laverton. Uh, Laverton is um, four hours northeast of Kalgoorlie. Mm. Uh, it's like the last town on the trip towards the centre on this, on, as the Great Western Road, as I was talking about, uh, the Great Central Road, sorry. And um, Laverton uh, are wanting to create a, an attraction or a, a visitor centre that actually is a sort of a, a tribute to the inland explorers of Australia. And uh, we've given it the title of The Great Beyond. Um, and the reason for that is that we, when we were sort of thinking about it, myself and my team at uh, my company, um, we, we were basically sort of thinking about the fact that why did these guys go out there? What was their... What was the sociological, the cultural sort of need for them to go out there and, and keep going over the next hill to find out what was what was out there, what was you know beyond the next hill, and and so we've given it this name, the Great Beyond, because what we've realised is that these European explorers were going out looking for this some sort of great. Uh, oasis that, mm. that was going to be sort of the salvation of you know mm. Australia in some sort of European context, I mm. guess. And what we're trying to do is to tell that story, but we want to put it in context that if they had have seen it through the eyes of the local people, the, 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 mm. the original people, the indigenous people of the country, they would have seen an oasis that mm. was there already, but yeah. they just didn't see it. And in some ways, they came back very disappointed and very, you know, despondent. And um, what people are now discovering is exactly what we're talking about, is when you go out yeah. there, if you can see it and if you can understand what this journey is about. And, and this visitor centre is obviously talking to travellers who are going out yeah. into the desert. Um, it, that we're trying to help them to see this oasis in the way that it, it could have been seen to start with, you know, yeah. and to appreciate it for, for the, the beauty and the, the incredible, as you say, spiritual sort of potential yeah. that it has for us as yeah. Australians. So. Well, I think the great problem was they had European minds. That's right, yeah. yeah. But one of the things we're doing, Mal, is we're actually giving a lot of honour to the Indigenous um, guides that went mm. with them oh, yeah. um, and really without them they wouldn't have they wouldn't have um, you know discovered even as much as they did mm. and uh, John Forrest who was one of the yeah. one of the famous explorers who became the premier of the first I think the first premier of, of uh, Western Australia um, had a, a fantastic guy called Windich who yeah. um, I've actually took a photo of his um, memorial at uh, I think it was Esperance and um, you know uh, he Forrest gave a, so much credit to yeah. Winditch, and, and uh, every one of the every one of the explorers had someone like that. And uh, sure. what we're all those to do is all those who didn't die in the bush. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we are looking at those as well. The ones that didn't come back, like mm. Leichhardt and those sorts yeah. of people. And you know, we're looking at those sorts of stories as well. So yeah. And Forrest uh, <coughs> was a native-born Australian, white native-born Australian, and you know. That's where my heart is. Yes. That's the story to be told. Yes. And they knew they wouldn't make it without their Indigenous friends. Yes, that's and right. Hamilton, Hume. Yep. Uh, of course, Hume and Hovel fought like cats and dogs. Uh, Hovel uh, was a British sea captain. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, but Hume was a native-born Aussie. That's right. He'd yeah. already opened up the Goldman Monaro, and it was his Aboriginal friends that showed him how to do it. Yep. And, of course, he worked as a, as a scout uh, for Sturt, 
and Sturt said he wouldn't have made it without uh, Hume, and Hume said, well, I wouldn't have made it without my Aboriginal friends. Yep. And you could say almost uh, absolutely certainly those expeditions that made it had an Indigenous person, but we, right. we never know their names. That's right, that's right. And one of the things we're doing is trying to, you know, give credence to that, and we're actually, one of the, the actual interpretive presentations we're actually doing, we're telling the story from both sides. We're, we're actually using Forest and Winditch as the storytellers in, in one of the... Um, the theatres in this um, attraction and Windage mm. tells his story and uh, Forrest tells his story and it's obviously going to be a, a very different sort of circ- set of uh, perceptions of it from each person and, mm. and uh, we we're hoping that that's going to be quite revel- revelatory for the, for the people that are going through. So. Well, what's lovely and the job you're doing is going back and retelling the story and these stories we define ourselves and become confident in or know ourselves don't we that's right yeah no we're very passionate about that mal as you as you you know you you and i have talked about it at at times but we're we're very passionate about trying to get to the heart of you know what why is it we think like we do and 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 why is it that things how have we become like we have become you know and and we have to go back and and uh, you know retrace the steps of our of of these people and and look at these stories and and they then help us to shape or understand our own story now you know i think and it's very important for us to do that and so as we approach these types of projects we we endeavor to to you know shape it in a way that people it becomes a relevant very relevant to who we are today and Mm. and you know uh, gives us a sense of um well very much a sense of purpose and meaning as as Aussies today i gotta tell you had a great time in greece Mm -hmm. and i was surprised how well the greeks welcomed aussies and so many of them of course have come out here and melbourne has so many of them uh but particularly what what fascinated me was that uh the growing sense of confidence Aussies have, and we're not ashamed, we're not hanging about, I can't see any cultural cringe anymore. Mm. And I think we came up about number three or four in the medal count, mm. and uh, the rest of the world scratching its head. Yes. And once again, I don't think you'll understand this, and now they're calling it sporting fanaticism, but a certain commitment. I think there's a rising sense of confidence and it's coming out of, uh, we're learning to sing our own song, mm-hmm. talk our own language. We're not trying to talk like Yanks and, and English anymore, are we? We're no. talking with our own voice. That's right. And, uh, and our own children, as they... Now, these kids we've taken to Uluru, first of all, they want to visit Australia. Yeah. I think they want to visit themselves. And I think they want to tune into this spiritual dimension. And, uh, and I, if I had my way, I'd, I'd have kids... All over the place, uh, discovering Australia, placing their feet on it, mm. and letting the land pass through them. That's what distinguishes a tourist from a pilgrim. Yes, uh, yes. A tourist turns up to take pictures, but a pilgrim lets the land pass through them, reach them at the core of who they are, and yes. change them. Mm. And I love the change. That's our theme tonight, the change that's coming. And I think we're being more and more comfortable in our own skin, in our own land. And we've still got a distance to go. But uh, I think we're discovering this is the promised land. We don't have to go off to Europe anymore to find something. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would concur with that completely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm finding that everywhere I go, that there's just such an, a, a, a flavour and uniqueness about individual places. I mean, this, this trip alone 
plane that I'm on, I, and I'm and I'm doing it by myself, so it's almost a pilgrimage for myself because yeah. I'm actually sort of, um, you know, uh, in, you're talking about change, and, and yeah. this trip, in a way, I sense has been a, a sort of a, a process of change for me to sort yeah. of realise, you know, where we're going next and things like that. And I'm sensing, as I talk to people around the country, everybody want is very proud of. They're, you know, everybody's so yes. proud of their own yes. place and really wants to show it off and, and you know and give it give it the, the status that it, that they that they you know deserve. So. I'm fascinated to hear what you're saying. I think it's happening. You see, there was a time uh, when we could hardly, or the European forebears we had, could hardly wait to come in and change what was there mm. and turn it into a little Europe. Mm. Uh, and mm. all the time, what you said before is so true. If only we had the eyes, if only we could have changed our mind to see through our eyes that our indigenous people certainly didn't have any gardens, but they didn't need any. No, no. We're sort of describing it as a house, as, as this, you know, the, the country, they didn't need a home or a, a building, but because they lived in the four walls, of, which was the, you know, was, was the bush, it was the, it was the land, and, yeah. um, and they lived in it like we live in our four walls, and parts of this uh, again parts of this exhibit actually look at the notion of how how europeans came in and put up walls but then yeah. we're actually looking at the way that the desert then uh, reclaims that again <laughs> almost yeah. you know as a sort of cyclical thing that you know it's it's almost a, a losing battle that we fight against this thing that's yeah. out there and, and that somehow we've got to come to terms with that and, and reconcile ourselves with this land yeah well i i have the feeling as you're talking as i'm sharing it with you uh getting claustrophobic in europe well the indigenous people had no walls and then we think we need to give them a house. That's right. And then, then we blame them for because kicking... Because they don't look after them. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. They drag the mattress outside because they've got to see that Southern Cross. That's right. They don't know where they are if they can't see those stars. Yes. And yes. then, funnily enough, even though we, we thought that they were kind of heathen and blind and all the rest of it, I take the kids out the bush and I've got to tell you, their happiest moments are lying out looking up at those same stars yeah. without the walls around them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the walls of an education system that doesn't suit them, uh, a loss of community, the walls of their room, they feel kind of the only safe place in the world is there. But when they get out there and um, the Aboriginal people don't own the land, they say the land owns them. Yes. That sense of identification. And my guess it's starting to happen for you too, Daryl. I think it is, yeah. <laughs> I really do, yeah. And. Yeah, and and I sense a change coming in in terms of how I think about that more and more, you know. Mm. Now I, I, and so, yeah, interesting that your so your theme tonight is change because I think I want a, a journey of of discovery for myself at the moment too. So. Well, that's the life we'll have to keep in touch because it seems to me it's going to make a big impact on the way you produce your films. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, al- almost uh, the way you look for the story now uh, will be different. Do you think? Yeah, I think it will. I'm, I mean, I'm more and more wanting to get to the, the types of stories that we're looking for and uh, I'm more and more looking for the heart, you yeah. know, and, and, and to get deeper into the soul of who we are. And yeah. and, uh, and and I think that that has a, a profound... Uh, I think the land has a great deal to do with that. So, you know, in the past, I guess we've looked at things that we can mm. talk about, but now it's something more. There's something else that we, we need to, to, to talk about for, for yeah. who we are. Mm. Well, I've got to tell you, once again, I've come back uh, 
through Europe, spent time in Athens, up there in the Parthenon, and in the ruins everywhere, and these incredible cathedrals in the UK, etc. Mm-hmm. What I love about our country, it's not man-made, is it? No. That big rock. Yep. No sculptor could have designed that. No, that's right. And that big canopy, that big sky. Yeah. And I think uh, those who think we're not spiritual don't understand us. We're not religious. Uh, But everybody I know, my old mate John Williamson, it's coming through with you, Ken Duncan, get out there. And something threads up on the inside and you look up and you... In that sky, even though you can't see your face, you can see the fingerprints of the main man who made it all. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's 100,000 caravans out there somewhere, Mal, around Australia at one time at the moment. Oh, goodness. Of all these, all these um, what we call the grey nomads, and they're, they're out there trying to find that as well. And yeah. one of the things I've been thinking about is, okay, they're out there doing the traveller thing, but how now do we make this experience more... more um, Pilgrimage. Uh, spiritual for them. Yeah, right? more pilgrimage. Yeah, that's right. So it's one of the things I'm toying with. I've got a few ideas. I'll tell you about it sometime. Looking forward to catching up with you, Daryl. Lovely okay. chatting to you and all the best. I'm keen to hear. I hope you've got some good shots to show us when you come uh, up. I'm taking a shot out of the front of the car every 20 minutes and I'm actually putting <laughs> together a video of that. So. Lovely. Yeah. All the best. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mal.